In this episode of The Full Nerd, RTX 3080 review, Radeon 6000, soon, and NVIDIA buys ARM. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 150. I'm your host, Gordon Ung, with co-host Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. Eleni is here. Hello. And Adam Patrick Murray, controlling the vertical and horizontal. I did it right this time. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Part. For the most part. <laughs> uh, yeah. We are, I want to get right into it, because uh, frankly, I haven't had a chance to look at too many of the reviews this morning, so I want to hear it from... The person who has tested it himself, Brad Charkas, RTX 3080, is it all that? The hype proved real. Really? Yes. It was, it's a monstrous upgrade. It's everything that we wish the 20 series was, but it wasn't. You know how we said to wait for the second generation? Uh, if you waited, the wait was worth it. The 3080 is just a monstrous card. It blows away... The 2080, its direct predecessor at $700, by anywhere from 60 to 80% at 4K resolution, in, depending on the game. Uh, it's 25 to 35% faster than even the 2080 Ti, which costs, you know, 1200 bucks. Uh, and now you can turn on Ray Trace and DLSS and play games at 4K and 1440p with this thing. You couldn't do that before. That was the big knock against the first generation RTX cards, or one of the big knocks. Uh, you can't say that anymore. Wow. Yeah, it, it rocks. It's awesome. Uh, the Founders Edition card, NVIDIA, the, the review today is specifically for the NVIDIA Founders Edition card, which uh, has a very unique cooling system. It's basically like half a blower-style cooler at the rear of the card, and then the front of the card it has a shortened PCB with a notch in it, like a Pac-Man face, to have a fan in the front that draws air up through the bottom of the card and back into your system at the top. Uh, it's real funky, uh, but it really works. Uh, I never saw it go above 79 degrees in our in our testing, which isn't great, uh, but it's not bad. And it's significantly quieter than uh, former generation Founders Edition cards were. So, like, this thing just kicks all kinds of ass. Uh, so real quick, it, I, I have a question. The, the testing rig you have... Uh, the CPU is a 9700K? 8700K overclocked to uh, 5 gigahertz on all cores. So in actual gaming benchmarks, that matches a stock 10900K within just a couple of frames, margin of error. Okay. And is it, is it air or water-cooled? Liquid-cooled. Liquid-cooled, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, if, if blowing that heat up, you know, uh, is going to, you know, be a detriment to any of the air coolers. So, uh... I mean, I'm sure Steve at Gamers Nexus is going to be testing this. Probably Steve at Hardware Unbox, who knows. But definitely Gamers Nexus, I'm sure, is. But just based off my testing with it, uh, so basically the fan that's in the back towards the back of the case, it works like a blower-style fan. It sucks air in and then shoots it out the back, just like blowers always have. Uh, and the vents at the back are very huge, so it gets rid of a lot of air out that way. And the whole card is bristling with like heavy, thick, chunky, black metal heatsink fans. Fins, not fans. Uh, so the whole thing is basically a heatsink, and it sucks the air up in the front and blows it through those fins and out back into the top of your system, and that air actually doesn't get too hot compared to the air coming out of the back. It works really cool. Uh, I was sticking my hands in there and around there just to kind of get a feel for everything while it was running. 
Uh, the actual outside of the shroud, because it's all like a pewter-colored metal, uh, actually gets screaming hot, though. So, like, if you buy one of these and use an open test bed, be careful not to touch it, because it gets real hot. Oh, okay. You know, it's pretty cool, because I, I, it really feels like they stepped it up for coolers. With this. Yeah. I mean, everybody's complained and whined about uh, blower-style fans before. This really does give you the best of both worlds, it sounds like. Yeah, it's real, real interesting, real innovative. Uh, it works. Uh, like I said, it's 79 degrees, so it's not doesn't work as well as custom coolers we've seen in the past for high-end models. Because uh, some of those will get down to like to around 70 degrees or less. Like if you're looking at a high-end Sapphire card or high-end EVGA card or Seuss card or whatever. Uh, we can't talk about custom cards yet. Uh but the Founders Edition card, like I said, is 79, so it doesn't blow away the world in temperatures. It definitely handles the heat caused by the much higher power draw of this chip, uh, and it runs much, much quieter than before. So, uh, like, experientially, it works just fine. You know, I, I kind of wonder, because, I mean, obviously, they, they get that, that huge bump from going to a smaller process. It's 8 nanometer Samsung, right? And this one? Yep, yep. I was think, wondering if they would just simply say, well... We made this awesome cooler that can be quieter. A lot of people always want very quiet GPUs, mm-hmm. but is it? Did it, they also go like, well, if you don't care about noise and you just want to bump it up, can you also crank the yeah. fans up? And basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could tinker with everything. You can overclock it. It's it works the same as any other card. Uh, I haven't had I haven't done an article on it. We didn't include the results in my review because uh, we focus on other box performance. But I haven't had great success with overclocking. Can't get very far. And this card draws a lot of power. Uh, I, I don't have my data right in front of me, but it gets up there. I think it's 482 watts for my entire system under a GPU-bound load at 4K, so when the graphics card is screaming, which is significantly more than 2080 Ti was. Uh, it's... 200 watts more than the 1080 did so if you skip the generation and you're waiting to upgrade the 1080 to the 3080 you're drawing 200 watts more power uh, for, total system. for total system so and that's all with just retesting all the other graphics cards right now so it's all the same system same drivers same everything except for the graphics card being swapped out so this thing does use a lot of power it's worthwhile in my opinion because like this thing's ridiculous you can crank all the bells and whistles all the eye candy crank it all up you'll get well above 60 frames per second at 4k and 1440p uh the biggest uh gains are obviously in 4k where you know there's no games that are really cpu bound at 4k and when uh graphics cards being stressed that much it can put all the shader cores to good work uh, if you dip down to 1440p, uh, the gains scale back a little bit, but it's still 50% better than the 2080 was. Uh, I wouldn't buy this card for 1080p because we just kept hitting CPU bottlenecks or engine bottlenecks at that point. I, I wonder, though, I mean, what about 1080p, 360 hertz? I mean, clearly this is better than... Yeah, uh, it depends on the game. I want to do more testing specifically with esports games like CSGO and Apex Legends and whatnot, Rocket League, uh, and NVIDIA Reflex. Uh, it's new technology that isn't just for these RTX 30 series cards. They're rolling out today for, I think, everyone from Maxwell up, uh, so 900 series. 
Uh, and basically, games can hook into it, and it flushes the render queue between the CPU and the GPUs, and just basically as fast as the CPU does frames, uh, the graphics cards will display them rather than like building up the, the render queue in between. And with that active, it might be more worthwhile in esports games at 240 hertz, 260 hertz, or if you're making the game at 1080p more you know visually demanding, like if you, you are turning on ray tracing in a complex game, but Overall, it's not really worth it at 1080p. Right. For most people, Because, yes. yeah, you're going to run into CPU bottlenecks more than you will graphics card bottlenecks. Like, you can get by with a much cheaper card, I would say, at 1080p in general. Again, I want to test more of those eSports solutions. But in 1440, it's... And you also tested ultra-wide as well? I did test ultra-wide. Uh, those results aren't up yet. I'm putting the finishing touches on it. Those will go live on PC World tomorrow. I tested 1340 by 1440, uh, which kind of splits the difference between 4K and 1440p. And spoiler alert, it uh, kind of splits the difference between 4K and 1440p in our benchmark <laughs> results too. <laughs> so if you're doing ultra-wide, uh, you can expect this card to be 50 to uh, 70% faster at 4K. Uh, no, yeah, 50 to 70% faster with ultra-wide, duh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, this thing just screams. It's a monstrous upgrade over the 2080. Uh, it's a solid upgrade over the 2080 Ti. That costs 1200 bucks. this is 700 bucks, and it's 25 to 35% faster. Uh, it sees the most performance uplift in, obviously, games that use ray tracing and whatnot. Uh, but also games that are built from the ground up for the newer, more modern APIs, so DirectX 12 and Vulkan, those games are where you really start to see, like, this card being 80% faster than 2080. If you dip back down to DirectX 11 games or other kinds of games, it depends on the game and the engine, etc., etc. But in general, those fall back to 60 to 70%, which is still a ridiculous upgrade over the 2080. I mean, and imagine if you're on a 10 series card. Like, that's... Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. compared to the 1080 uh, at 4K resolution, I was seeing 150 plus percent performance increase depending on the game. Like in those most optimized, like the DirectX 12 and Vulcan games, 150% faster. So way more than double. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Uh, real, real quick side production side note, Gordon, your, your uh, voice is a little, little low if you don't mind trying to tweak that a little bit. Uh, we do have some questions in the chat uh, real quick that I'm even curious about. Uh, okay. If, if you're see. ready for some. Yeah, for sure. I'll do whatever I can. Uh, I've been working a bunch. My brain's a little fried, but bring them on. I'll answer as best as I can. Some stuff, like I said, the Founders Edition review is out. We can't talk about custom cards yet. All these cards hit the street tomorrow, so hopefully we'll be able to talk about them soon, but we can't talk about custom cards today. Okay. Uh, what do you uh, think about the 12-pin adapter? Is that That's 12-pin adapter, uh, I think, was, uh, as it turns out, a mountain out of a molehill. It works just fine. Like, it lets NVIDIA make that radical cooler. Uh, it works exactly as you would expect it to work. Uh, that being said, as a person who values aesthetics in my case, I hate it because the 12-pin adapt the adapter itself is short and chunky, and it, it's not as high quality as the card itself is. Like, the, the heat shrink around it is just kind of janky looking. Uh, it's thick. It juts out to the side so that it kind of covers up the glowing GeForce RTX logo on it. Uh, 
companies like EVGA and Corsair and Seasonic are rolling out their own direct 12-pin to 2x8 pin things that you can plug into their modular CPUs because modular CPUs are awesome, Gordon. Uh, and if power I supplies. was going to, <laughs> yeah, power supplies, PSUs, pardon me. Uh, and if I was going to buy the Founders Edition card just with uh, the value that I put on aesthetics, especially on top of an $800 card or $700 card, I would probably spend the extra 20 to $40 to get one of those personally. But it's not well, a necessity whatsoever. They work just fine. They're solid. I just don't like the look of it. On the other hand, it opens up the opportunity for Leanne Lee to make another RGB uh, extension cable for us. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) I I would rock that. (laughs) I I would almost want to just see a hard adapter rather than that. It's like a short – it's a cable that's that's too long. It's like a wishbone, yeah. It's too long and too short. Like if it was long enough, you could sort of snake it somewhere, but it's too short, so it's it's just a little – it's a little weird. I almost would rather just simply have a right angle hard adapter that you would plug your eight pins into. So, yeah, I would have liked that too. I don't think it would work with the Founders Edition design as is because the uh, the power plug is actually in the middle of the heat pin stack in the middle because the PCB is so short. So I think it'd be hard for them to do that. I get why they did all this from a technological point of view. It does make the Founders Edition card itself, you know, look awesome and have that radical cooler. But it's just weird for them to invest so much time and effort and money into creating this like beautiful ass card, and then just having a janky, fat adapter sticking out of it and clattering up everything. Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. It's funky. Uh, one of the questions. I'm sorry, I'd, uh, I I missed the uh, the person earlier in chat uh, was talking about PC. Did you p- test anything PCI three versus PCI four? Any I did bandwidth not. considerations? Uh. I've talked about this in past episodes, but it's a weird place right now. If Intel was on PCI 4 or AMD had beaten Intel in single-thread performance, I would have moved to one of those systems. But right now, NVIDIA's guidance is faster CPUs matter more than PCI 4 for performance. So that's why I stuck with the overclocked 8700K, which, like all Intel chips, including the 10900K, don't support PCIe 4 yet. Uh, that being said, I know that Steve at Hardware and Boxed said he was purposefully moving to a Ryzen 3950X system for this review, specifically to test PCIe 3 versus PCIe 4. So I'd recommend going and checking out his review, which I'm sure is up by now. Okay, nice. Uh, also, thank you uh, to, to Karthik, a friend of the show, gave us 100 ru- ruples, rupees. Um, question for Brad. Ultimate question: Should you hashtag wait for RDNA two uh, or try to score a thirty eighty? Uh, it depends if you want to wait. I mean, people have been waiting for a significant performance upgrade from graphics cards for a few years now. Like the twenty eighty Ti was a great card. It, it was the first card to ever let you get like no compromises four K sixty uh, gaming at the time. But it was twelve hundred bucks. That's ridiculous. Seven hundred bucks is still, you know, ridiculous. But it still it puts it in that you know ten eighty Ti, nine eighty Ti kind of price point level, where we haven't really seen any gains in performance in three and a half, four years. I think the ten eighty Ti came out in two thousand seventeen. So if you still have one of those or a ten eighty, you've been waiting for a while. Uh, these cards. I I hear uh, the, Nvidia says they're making them as fast as they can. From what I'm hearing from various people around the industry, uh, it might be short supply out of the get-go. And just looking at 
past graphics cards launches, they sell out very quickly. So if you've been waiting and you know this will fit your needs, like this is an ultimate, not an ultimate because 3090 comes out next week, but this is a fantastic 4K GPU. And if you know it'll fit your needs and you can get one now, you might want to get one now. I also am totally fine with, if you've been waiting this long, why not wait another month or two to see RDNA? Two as well, Big Navi, Radeon RX 6000 series, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, that being said, that's not coming out for a while. Uh, they said they're going to announce it on October 28th, so a month and a half from now. And who knows when it's actually going to launch? It might be that day. It might be a month from then. Uh, and also, it uses the same 7 nanometer wafers as Ryzen does, the next-gen Ryzen Zen 3 chips. And the fact that AMD is announcing Ryzen Zen 3 chips on October 3rd and Radeon 6000 on October 28th, it's not definite, but it makes me think like they might be prioritizing Ryzen chips over Radeon chips because the, the Radeon chips are presumably going to be big knobbies, so big dies, whereas they can get a bunch of little Ryzen modules out of that same die on the wafer. So I just, I'm not sure what to expect from our DNA at this point. <laughs> which again we're going to talk about all later <laughs> if this card meets your needs and fits your budget and you've been waiting for it i mean it's always good to wait if you can but it's in my opinion it's totally fine to not wait and just say hey this card looks great and buy it do you think this is a, as big a jump from the 9 series to the 10 series because uh, that, that was a pretty big uh generational yep. jump like do you think this is big or bigger when my cousin Jensen stood in his very kitchen and said, hey, Pascal friends, uh, you know, it's time to upgrade. Don't be scared anymore. Uh, that's exactly what he was referencing. And I agree 100%. I was going back looking at my review, and it's about the same overall performance jump. Like, you were getting 60 to 70% increase from 90 series to 10 series, or 900 series to 10 series. Uh in this one, it varies based on API, but it's overall about the same, a little bit higher, actually. So this is just a little bit more of a frame rate advance than Pascal was. And, like, I have a whole section on ray trace and DLSS, which I want to do much more testing with. Uh, the frame rate impact in traditional games that also support ray tracing. So ray tracing works a couple different ways. Most AAA games will support a couple of different features, like ray trace shadows or ray trace reflections, right? And the rest of it will be just traditional rasterization. Uh, there are a couple games that are fully path traced, Quake 2 RTX and Minecraft RTX. Uh, I tested the AAA games, and the impact of activating RTX with DLSS is roughly the same as it was with the RTX 20 series. So... They do have newer tensor cores and RT cores, but in games that lean more heavily on rasterization and only dabble with ray tracing, like the impact is still there. But the RTX 3080 is just so damn fast that it doesn't matter. You can play games at 4K. You can play games at 1440p on Ultra with ray tracing and still get more than 60 frames per second in the handful of games that I tested. Uh, and I was talking to NVIDIA about the results, and they were telling me that if you switch to the Path Trace games, so Quake 2 RTX, Minecraft RTX, or any games that activate a whole lot of ray tracing features at once, Control is an example that's already out, but uh, Fortnite is coming out tomorrow with uh, ray tracing and DLSS, and it's going to have tons of ray tracing effects. 
Same deal with uh, Cyberpunk when it comes out. It supports multiple ray tracing effects. Uh, those ones, NVIDIA says, you'll see much more of a performance gain with these new cards. I forget the original question, but there's the end of my tangent. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, somebody was asking about the uh, the power draw earlier, too. Uh, can can you lot. comment on that? Yeah. Like, uh, it, you, you had mentioned maybe uh, it's worth ne- getting a new power supply for uh yeah spoiler alert i also have a article on that in a few days uh basically uh it draws a lot more power than previous gen cards do because you know it's that much more powerful i consider it a worthwhile trade-off if you're playing on a desktop don't be scared by the power supply requirements uh that being said nvidia recommends a 750 watt power supply so going back and looking at the last few generation of nvidia cards uh, the last gen flagships, the 2080 and 2080 Ti, required 650 watts. Uh, if you go back to the 10 series, the 1080 only required 500 watts. So if you've been building your system with that minimum spec kind of in mind, uh, you might very well need to upgrade your power supply to a 750 watt card. <coughs> uh, pardon me, power supply. But all that being said, the maximum power draw I saw with an overclock to 5 gigahertz 8700K in a CPU and GPU heavy game. So looking at something like uh, Grand Theft Auto at 1440. So it's kind of splits the difference there. Uh, the most I saw was between 500 and 550 watt power draw for my whole system. So you could theoretically run this on a 650 watt system if it's efficient and you haven't run it into the ground like if you have a good power motherboard to go with it too to kind of give you clean power through the PCIe slot I have a 650 watt EVGA Platinum and a high end uh, Aorus motherboard in my system and I threw my 3080 review sample in there just to check out see if it would work and it did that being said I would be much more comfortable actually having a 750 watt power supply uh and as far as the 12-pin adapter goes, don't worry about it. It just plugs in with 8-pin connectors. Okay. How much, how much memory and how much storage do you have in those machines? Because that, that adds up a little bit, not a huge Yep. Amount. It has 32 gigabytes of, I forget the speed, but overclocked DDR4 RGB RAM, because RGB, all the things, and two big Samsung uh, 860 SSDs, I think it is, and a CPU liquid cooler. So... About as blinged out as a standard, you know, one GPU system is going to be. Yeah. And like I said, that's that's overclocked. So that adds quite a bit of CPU stress as well. It still feels like you should definitely go for minimum recommended power supply, even though. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Because people should should, people have to remember that power supply output goes down as it gets hotter. So on a really hot summer day after you've been playing games for two hours. Yep. You're probably not going to be pushing out the amps that you thought you would. Yep. On a cold winter day. Again, I mean, I was testing it in my 650 watt with a platinum and a high end motherboard. So, like, the best possible scenario, and it worked fine. Uh, and that was in, you know, the beginning of September, so pretty hot. But I definitely, if that was going to be my full time rig, I would definitely get a 750 watt power supply. Okay. 
uh, a uh, we we always get you know this smattering of questions about um, you know is, will my CPU be able to run the 3080? Where where do you think the cutoff line is? Like uh, generally, like eh, you know what? If you're down on a 2500K, yeah, you're going to be bottlenecked. Or you know where where do you think you're going to have some problems? It depends on your resolution. I think that if you are playing at 4K, which is really what these cards are made for. Uh, you're going to be fine pretty much with everything because it just puts so much of the burden on the GPU. Like, it's your GPU, your CPU is waiting for your GPU to render stuff, not the other way around at 4K. So at 4K, which is what I think this specific card is really, really good at, uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, if you move down to 1440p, it's still mostly uh, the graphics card that is going to be the bottleneck. Down there, it's more, I think, the ROPs and stuff like that that are bottlenecking you more than the shader cores and stuff like that. At 1440p, I would probably want a decently fast 6-core, you know, uh, processor. 1080p, you're just going to be bottlenecked with this thing. So uh, I haven't had a chance to read through all of it, but I know Jared Walton, who is a really excellent, uh, smart dude, did an article I saw today over at Tom's Hardware where he specifically tests CPU scaling with the 3080. So if you want to dig more into that, he has a bunch of results you can go look and see for yourself. Nice. I mean, if you have an 8700K, you'll be fine, especially if it's overclocked. I know a lot of people have those. That's half the reason I didn't devote too much headache to upgrading my system quite yet. Definitely, this is... I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to believe, but uh, it's an 80 series that is a solid 4K gaming. Yeah, very solid. Very solid. It's turn everything on and you'll be above 60. I think the only game where I didn't average 60 frames per second was Total War Troy. The, uh, you know, the new uh, real-time, not real-time strategy, turn-based strategy game. And that was because it was like 59.6 average. So it's essentially, you know, all the bells and whistles, you know, 60 frames per second. Uh, And a lot of the other games are significantly higher. So it's it just rocks. It's fast. Like if you have a 4K or a 144 hertz 1440p monitor or an ultra wide monitor, like I said, my results on that's going up tomorrow. uh, You're going to love this thing. It's a huge step up. I'm just trying to figure out what the point of the 3090 is. You know, they didn't talk about 3090 performance, I feel, at all during the announcement. And now I'm kind of wondering if 3080 is a, a solid, you know, 4K gaming GPU, mm-hmm. then what the hell would you ever buy a 3090 for? Well, they told you they want you to play an 8K. Yeah, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't actually look too much into that. They have to sell it as something because they're selling it as a GeForce card. So I have to find a consumer use for it. Yeah. Uh, 8K, you know, it's a good buzzword. Very few people have an 8K, 8K television. Like nobody has an 8K monitor. Uh, you're gonna want it because you want like the best possible 4K, no visual compromises thing. That thing's gonna be to some degree faster than the 3080 is, and that's what like you got a lot of money. You just want something to push your 4K 144 hertz monitor as fast as possible because those things do exist. Uh, that's going to be the one you want to get. Uh, it's going to be the only GeForce card that now supports SLI. The 3080 doesn't support SLI. SLI is basically dead. Like 
if you buy two of these things, you're doing it more for just, you know, saying that you have two of them in your system and you want to, you know, smash some benchmark records in 3D Mark or something. But if you do want to do that, 3090 is going to be the only way to do it. Uh, it's with 24 gigabytes of memory uh, and SLI fingers. That thing's going to be a real badass like Titan class card. They said it's not a Titan, but it's essentially a Titan. They didn't call it a Titan because I wouldn't be surprised if they roll out with a Titan with even more stuff in a bit. But that's it's still a Titan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like that's a compute compute you know targeted card because. But I think it's also cool that they can say, "Hey, we you know upgraded DLSS." And now we have this 3090 with 24 gigabytes of memory to keep up with that resolution, and you can game at 8K. Uh, I don't have an 8K monitor. I'm hoping to be able to use, like, virtual super resolution, I think is what NVIDIA calls it, to up-res stuff and test it at that level. Uh, But, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's more they're just saying, like I said before in a previous episode, I think it's just them going, hey, this is what we have. Come beat this big knobby. You know, I, I do. I want to ask Brad because this always comes up on the internet, and you know, people when the 3080 was announced, people were like, "Oh my God, it only has what, 10 gigs of RAM? Is it yep. eight or only 10, ten. eight gigs of RAM or 10? 10, 10, right? 10, 10, so 10, 10 people, of GDDR6X, so it's super fast." People pulled their hair out because they're like, "Oh my God, this is like this is a mistake. Why would you only have 10 gigs of memory in this video card?" I because actually have that as a negative. Not as really? a statement, not as a statement saying this is bad to only have 10 gigabytes. More as a question. I actually pose this question. Is 10 gigabytes going to be enough two to three years from now? Uh, today, it's fine. Uh, I think if you turn on like the nightmare textures in Doom Eternal and try to play at 4K with those nightmare textures enabled, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you find that 10 gigabytes today isn't even enough in that game. But... It's it's fine. Like it's it's totally fine. I I wouldn't say don't buy this because you're worried about the ten gigabytes. It's ten gigabytes, which is you know a good amount. It's only one gigabyte less than the 2080 Ti is, uh, and it's the ultra fast GDDR6, so it moves data twice as fast. So it has a hell of a lot more bandwidth. Uh, I don't consider it a negative enough to dock the card for it. Uh, and I think that if two years from now some games do take more than ten gigabytes. I've always, even though I'm the GPU guy, I've always been the, the opinion, hey, man, just knock textures down to high. You'll get 95% of the visuals for, you know, and knock off 20% performance penalty. So, so I, well, wait, quick question on the topic of the 10 gigabytes of RAM and the future. I was curious, though, like, given all the SSD technology that they're also discussing right now, like, do we really think it'll be that much of a problem if we're, you know, no longer having to buffer quite so much at one time? That's, that's a good question. Something else I didn't bring up, RTXIO. Uh, so what Elaine is talking about is basically RTXIO is built on the back of Microsoft's direct storage API, which is coming to Windows next year. It's the backbone of Xbox Series X's uh, velocity architecture. It basically lets your SSD talk... T- which is ultra fast, especially if it's PCIe 4, like a lot of them are today, talk directly to your graphics card memory and graphics card and just shift data between the two of them rather than having to go through the system memory and the CPU, which is, you know, exponentially slower. Uh, It looks pretty damn cool. 
Uh, I'm not sure how the technical aspects of it will work yet. They only just kind of said it's coming. You're going to need an NVMe SSD because they have these NVMe queues. We're going to shift it back and forth. Until we know more details about how it actually works, we don't know whether or not it will use some of your GPU VRAM. If it'll only tap into that GPU VRAM when there's an opportunity to, like it's got a lot of it's going to depend on the technical realities of it, and we are not going to know more about that until next year. Hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, that's actually the technology I'm most excited about hearing more about. Like, I think that could be more game-changing than the actual monsters jump in performance that this GPU offers. Uh, so I can't wait to hear more about it. I just think it's too early to say anything about what to expect from it. The idea is to basically kill or drastically reduce game loading times, though. Just like you see on the next-gen consoles. Well, d- does it work? Do, were you able to test any of it? Uh, Ruru2 was asking earlier. Uh, RTX.io, uh, like I said, is built on Microsoft Direct Storage. I think it's actually... I'm not sure how many special hooks NVIDIA has. I think it might just be our, NVIDIA's branding for Microsoft DirectX, Direct Storage. Uh, and it's only going to be made available to Windows developers next year. So we're not going to see it in games for a while. Uh. That being said the roots of the technology direct storage developers already have that because that's what the xbox series x uses for its fast loading times so i think once it is flipped on on the windows side we'll see adoption of that much faster than we've seen adoption of like ray tracing or direct x12 in the past because it's already working on the consoles hmm. so uh i was having a, a quick chat in uh in the chat with Vignesh, you know, talking about, I guess, uh, I think it was Jay um, who did some testing with DLSS off in control at 4K 60, or it was only able to hit 30. So, you I know. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, you know, I mean, most of the games, you know, uh, require DLSS uh, to, yeah. to get anywhere near 60, but, I mean, DLSS 2.0 is awesome, but, you know, Vignesh is bringing up the fact that, you know, if uh, if support gets dropped for DLSS or, you know, it takes more manpower. Why, why is the, the raw compute of RTX still that intensive, you know, even in this new screaming fast card? Well, ray tracing is incredibly computationally debated. Like, it, it takes a lot of horsepower just for it to happen. That's the reason why it plummets frames so hard. That's the reason why until NVIDIA, you know, just said, hey, we're doing ray tracing now, none of us thought that we were anywhere close to being able to do this. It's been considered the holy grail of graphics, but it's just so computationally, you know, expensive. Uh, I'm actually very curious to see how AMD manages to handle it if they don't use dedicated hardware like NVIDIA does. Uh, So yeah, it does put a big impact on frames. Uh, DLSS boosts you back up. DLSS 1.0 was kind of janky and not at all what NVIDIA promised. I actually did an article a couple weeks ago before this launch called RTS Retrospective, what two years of ray tracing DLSS got you. Go read that if you just want to recap. But DLSS 2.0 rolled out at the beginning of this year and the last year. Uh, It's totally different on the back end. It's totally different in the experience. Uh, It's almost no... To know, I would say it's more often than not, you don't see a difference in visuals with it active. It just gives you more frames because it's upscaling is AI based upscaling is that good. 
I actually hope that we start to see it more and more in games that even don't have ray tracing. Like uh, F1 2020 just added it, and it maxes out the engine. Like, it, you get up to 220 frames per second, you start bottlenecking there because the engine can't go any faster. And it looks great, <laughs> and you can't get any faster. Well, not just because they have DLSS as an option. And the same thing happened in, um, in Kojima's new game, uh, Death Stranding. Yeah, Death Stranding, yeah, same yeah. thing. Game looks great. Uh, Control actually has it as well. Uh, I think Minecraft RTX, uh, I think that as we go forward, and we're starting to see like Watch Dogs Legion is going to have it, uh, the new Call of Duty games are going to have it, uh, Cyberpunk is going to have it, they're going to have DLSS 2.0, and you're not really going to have a reason to not enable it, is how I feel about it. Like, I would never not enable it if I had the choice. Okay. Uh, question for me, and then some people have brought it up in the in the chat as well. Did you do any uh, uh, any professional workload stuff like video editing, rendering uh, tests? I did not. I am very willing to do more of those. Maybe me and you can work together and figure out some things. So I can get them running over the weekend or something. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, I'm down. I actually, there's a lot to test here. Uh, New generation. I've had these cards <laughs> about a week. Uh, I've worked about eighty hours in the past week. There's these cards you could test infinite. I still want to test NVIDIA Reflex. I want to dive deeper into uh, the broadcast app, which uses tensor cores to give streamers stuff like uh, RTX Voice, which is magical. But they also do like background image stuff, uh, virtual green screens and stuff. That looks cool. You know, compute and work say, uh, creative stuff looks cool. Uh, it's just going to take time. Uh, we also got $5 super chat from. Uh, Corbis Technology, thank you, uh, said uh, they have two systems, a Vega 64 with a 3900X and a Core i9-10900K with a 2080 Super. Uh, both are just running on a 1080p monitor. Do you think it's worth an upgrade to a 3080? It's not uh, because you're going to be bottlenecked, uh, especially on the 2080 Super system. Uh, you might see increase in frame rates moving from the Vega 64, but I would argue that you should save money and wait for the 3070. That'll probably be getting you pretty close for a few hundred bucks less or something like that. Like this, it needs to be tested with different visual quality settings in esports class games. But if you're playing games like AAA games where you want things looking as good as they can and are not just trying to make things look ugly to get them going as fast as they can, uh, this card is overkill for 1080p. Okay. Uh, question in Discord. Mr. Nobody asked, uh, can we talk a bit about the CUDA cores in the new 30 series? As I heard, the scaling and performance with the 20 and 10 series is not the same. Okay. Yep. Uh, before I go into that, something just popped into my head. I haven't checked it out yet myself either. But the person who was asking about creative workloads, there's a YouTuber named Epos Fox, E-P-O-S-V-O-X, who is spectacular and he focuses solely on streaming style stuff. And I know he has one of these cards. So once you're done watching us, maybe pop over there and see if he covers some of your questions. Uh, so yeah, the Cuda cores. Uh, let me take a sip from my Diet Cola soda first. There you go. Nice, a nice little break. <laughs> I don't know how uh, Jensen does it in these jackets. Uh, so yeah, the Cuda cores. Turing, last gen, was a drastic difference from what came before it. It basically introduced two paths. Uh, it had the FP32 path, which is what the vast majority of games use to render your games. And also had a separate integer path, which is used for the compute kind of stuff, 
like when people say async compute in games, it's that stuff that's not really rendering but still uses the graphics cards. Uh, and that integer path focused exclusively on those. And that's why if you go back and look now, even though the 2080 and the 1080 Ti in normal games have identical performance, in games that are using the modern APIs, uh, like DirectX 12 and Vulkan, the 2080 will be a little bit faster, and that's solely because of that support for the integer path. Uh, with Ampere, which just came out, they keep the dedicated FP32 path, but then they changed it so that the secondary path can be either either FP32 or integer, depending on what's needed. So that's how they doubled the cores. They're saying, hey, both of these could be FP32 at the same time, basically. And that's, that's kind of what they're doing. Scaling-wise, it's not 100% accurate. You can't just say, hey, this is twice as fast, which NVIDIA did say in its presentation. Uh, I don't know where they got that from. I asked in an email, hey, can you guys just, is there a game where this is twice as fast? Because I don't see it. I want to test it. And I never heard back. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it won't be a direct doubling, even though it has twice as many cores as what you would expect looking at a Turing core because the integer is going to eat into that FP32 potential. So it, you know, it depends on how it's getting used, essentially. And they redesigned the SM so that, uh, like, if you bump down to 1440p, if you're trying to max out those FP32 paths, those cores, uh, you tend to get more limited in, like, ROPs and other part of the architecture rather than the cores themselves. So that's why you don't see scaling. Like, that straight doubling a core performance doesn't translate into 2x the actual performance you would expect. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know as much about it, but I, I trust you. <laughs> it's, it's real hard writing these reviews sometimes because that stuff is, like, super important. But a PC world, like, we're not a non-tech and we're not Tom's hardware. Like, we get into this stuff on the show, but we try to kind of write it more for normal-ish people on, on uh, PCWorld.com. So it's kind of hard to thread that needle over, okay – how do I sum this up into a paragraph so hopefully people understand it? <laughs> well, uh, clarification, uh, Amlet says uh, Linus got the, exer, uh, the answer on the 2X performance. Supposedly it's uh, Quake RTX and Minecraft RTX is the two times. That would make sense. Yeah, well, all right. If you play either of those 10-year-old games with the new technology, sure. <laughs> Minecraft RTX <laughs> is freaking awesome. It is. It but, really is. I mean, I, I hate that they made that claim. Because being 60% faster, 63-ish percent faster in DirectX 11 games and 80% faster in modern APIs, that's ludicrous. Like, that's a hell of an upgrade. But by them saying twice the power of the 3080, it's like, oh, what do you mean I only get 70% average faster now? So I hate that they oversold it a bit, especially because they then said that the 3070, which is going to launch on October 15th, they said, uh is faster than the 2080 Ti. And anytime they've said something like that, it's always proven to be true. But now that they just said this is twice as fast as a 2080, and it's not really in the real world, it makes you wonder what's going to you know, come out of the 3070 now. So I just, I hate the marketing hype sometimes. It's the same thing with the cooler. They said it's 20 decibels quieter or cooler and 30 decibels quieter. It's not. It's not in the real world, not in the actual product. They were able to show if they locked it to certain, both Ampere and Turing to certain, you know, f wattage levels on a game 
so drastically underclocking Ampere, basically, and locking them at certain performance, then it's that thing. But it's not anywhere near a real-world use case. So it was just marketing. Like, it's a great cooler. I get that they were trying to emphasize that. But it was another case of marketing kind of overhyping it. Although, I I mean, if they're saying basically in Minecraft and Quake 2 RTX, you're getting 2x performance. With DLSS on. Well, yeah. with DLSS. But still, it's significant. It's, yeah. I, I, do, I do hear you. It does over, somewhat oversell it in real world. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if we get to the point where games even remotely modern games remotely stretch it like those then it could i guess but by then it won't matter because yep you get and i want to pass trace battlefield it is not going to be 2x performance right it's... for those and fully pass trace modern games are still ways off yeah. but uh control i think will, will probably get you quite a bit of the ways there i'm hoping to test more rtx stuff this weekend uh hopefully a 3090 who knows that's coming out next week uh Things like Cyberpunk that and Fortnite, which is coming out tomorrow, are going to have multiple ray tracing effects. And I would think that it won't get you to the 2x, but they'll be considerably faster. I have a question. What, what do you think this does to the secondary markets? That is, uh, you use 20 series, you use 10 series. Are mm-hmm. they... I was, I've been actually looking at eBay just to troll people on prices of 1080 Ti's, but... <laughs> I yeah, I noticed. If... if <laughs> If, why the hell would you ever buy anything older at this point? I mean, I think EVGA was blowing out 1080 Ti's for 350 or something like that, which seems like a really good price, and it probably is. But wouldn't I rather just get a 3070 over a 1080 Ti? Probably, you know. Um, personally, if I was on the market, I would avoid those. I would wait and see what's coming out with these new gen cards. Because uh, even if you can get a 2080 Ti for 500 bucks which is significantly less than half of what it came out for. Uh, if the 3070 does wind up being that fast, I mean, you're going to want that. The, uh, it has three gigabytes more memory, but still, you, you're buying the risk of a used card. Uh, and the modern... Uh, if you can get them at like, killer discounts, that's fine, but I wouldn't buy a 2080, for, 2080 Ti for anywhere near the price of what the 3070 is going to be, so 500 bucks. A 1080 Ti, you're saying, was 350. I don't think I would touch that because I wouldn't be surprised if uh, 3060 or 3060 Ti or Super comes out in, before the end of the year, and you'll be regretting your purchase. So, quick question then: like, we're talking specifically about used cards, not new mm-hmm. cards that are on sale. And yep. two, we're also talking about specifically in the same class, right? Like if you're looking for this kind of performance yep. where you're playing at 4K, 1440p, ultra wide. Yep. Okay. But I yeah, think- to me, to me, like, uh, there, uh, I was thinking specifically of the 2080 Ti. Uh, people are selling those for about 400, 450 bucks. You can find them on eBay these days. I would be hesitant to buy a used card. For four hundred and four hundred and fifty bucks, when the thirty seventy is coming out for five hundred bucks, and we know that the coolers are good already, uh, because it's basically the same founders edition style card, uh, and if it is just as fast as a twenty eighty Ti, which I, when they state things like that, I take their word for it, because every time in the past when they've said this card is faster than this specific card, it always wound up actually being the case. 
aside from this twice as fast as 3080. When they say, like in the past, they said the 1070 is twice as fast as the 980 Ti it was. And that's happened in the past a bunch of times. So I, I would not want to spend 450 bucks on a 2080 Ti when you can get a new 3070 for 500 bucks but in a month. I, 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 I do think, though, people also have to think, like, it really is priced at that point. And I, I think if it doesn't make any sense to buy a 2080 Ti for 400 to four, 450 mm-hmm. a 1080 Ti for 300 or 350 then seems like for $100 more, you can get a, a 2080 Ti, and that will just smoke a 1080 Ti all day, right? Yep. I mean, it just yeah. feels like yep. you would have to price a 1080 Ti now. At, Real low. I mean, yeah, what, $150? To, I mean, at that point, who cares? I'll just buy it just to, to prop up things. like it, you know. But I just <laughs> People are buying them, though. But honestly, you're still really, buying them. But who's buying them for this specific band of performance though like i could see someone buying a used 1080 ti for 300 bucks because they're trying to get more out of like 1080p gaming right but like i don't see anyone buying it now to do what it originally came like we were touting it for when it originally came out no but i'm saying there the value there there, i think frankly it's more about the price price is going to go first but then the value in a 1080 ti for 350 dollars is not there it's just not there when yeah. For a little more, you can just get an insane more performance out of a 20 Ti, you know? Yeah, right now so, I would be avoiding used cards. I, yeah, I would wait to, I would, I'd wait till 2070, 3070 shakes out, and then, of course, Big Navi, because, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're in a price, I really think the price sensitive band isn't really going like, oh, I want a, I want a 1080 Ti to play X, you know? I, I think it's just, it just feels like, I mean, it'd be $200 before I'd even think about it at this point. You know? I mean, I think we're also just talking about gaming, too. You know, there's there's other yeah. there's other ways yeah. that, that somebody might be able to use a 1080 Ti that's not just gaming. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying it's crazy, right? You'd be crazy to buy a 1080 Ti for $350. I'm just saying this because everybody's always wanting to hate on the 2080 Ti. This goes all the way down the line. You would not want a 1080 Ti for, I mean, at 350 it ain't much of a deal. I, I kind of feel like no one's really talking about two gens back, though, at this point, Gordon. A lot of people are selling 1080 Ti's. I mean, they're, they're, selling, they're selling them for sure, but I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, that's, I'm saying that I don't know if there's a lot of people discussing it as a viable option as a buyer right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you're... A lot of people if, selling. Maybe not a lot, a lot of people, of people buying. Are selling, a lot <laughs> of people selling, I think, everything. But I just sort of think, like... Yeah, like, when you were on eBay, good... did you look at the sold listings? Because that's <laughs> what I would be interested in seeing. Yeah, but you, I look. You gotta if people want to whatever pour to hate on twenty eighty Ti now, ha ha sucker. Well, you know what? It's everything. You, at this point, holy smokes! <laughs> like everything is affected. Who the hell's gonna buy a RX five eighty for anything more than what one hundred fifty dollars now? If that, I mean, I, I mean, that's the going price right now. I would yeah, actually I mean, expect it to go lower once we start seeing. But newer would you cards. buy a RX five eighty for one hundred fifty dollars when holy smokes, I can get. A 1080 Ti for a little bit more. It's just sort of like everything gets shifted down like two steps almost. You know? Well, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how far everything does go down, because yeah. I'm really hoping that for both Radeon and GeForce, we see ray tracing capabilities down the whole stack. Uh, Nvidia did that weird thing last gen where it had the RTX 20 series bottomed out in the 2060 for 350. But then it switched to the 1660 for 200 to 
290 bucks or something like that. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that necessarily quite as easily this time if they keep everything as RTX. So I'm real curious to see just what the entire product lineup winds up looking like in a few months. Because it could be that, you know, the 1060 replacement is the 2060 is going to cost 350 bucks still. And then, the you know, 1050 Ti will be 250 or whatever, just just naming wise. And I think it's it, there's the potential for it to be interesting trying to make comparisons the further down you go. That being said, I would avoid the hell out of any used cards right now. Yeah. If you can uh, wait, definitely wait. Do we want to move on to the next one? Because well, I I, I do have some uh, some more questions in the chat. Tim Timothy Bryce gave us ten U.S. dollars. Ooh, thank, thank you, you. Timothy. It wasn't a question, but just said DLSS is the DLSS is the key to uh, full ray tracing uh, because you know just going off of full ray tracing is is a ways off. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is. Uh, and then Andre Williams is saying that. Um, uh, 3080 cards from EVGA and such are already sold out on Newegg. Do you know? Have you, have you heard anything? Uh, I didn't know they went up for sale today. Yeah, I thought it was tomorrow. When I last Tomor- checked, it, it was all pre-order. Like it was like, a, or sorry, pre Notify. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they all say notify me. That doesn't mean they're actually out of stock. Yeah. It just means the stock pages are up yeah. and start spamming F5. Uh, tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Who knows when? It'll probably depend on the store. But I know that as far as NVIDIA timing in general goes, it tends to time things for 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Hmm. So that might be the time right around then where store listings go live. But if the past is any indication, uh, stores pull the trigger early to try to sell things quick. I would just tips that I also give for Black Friday type sales. Um, have your information, make sure everything's accurate, your address is ready pre-filled, your credit, if you normally don't save a credit card, just like do it right before you're ready to check out, you know, have it all saved so that when, if you get it in your cart, you can go like that. Um, the other thing too is uh, don't assume you know the time, like it's always better to check earlier than later. Hmm. So yeah. I would check honestly starting at 9pm Pacific, the day, the night before on retail. So tonight. Yeah, just in case, just in case the retailers are like, I'm going to go at midnight, but it maybe it's midnight Eastern, right? So it does happen. I just checked Newegg, and I think the confusion is uh, all of the all the cards listed right now are marked out of stock. Yes, coming soon. So it's like, but if you you know, if you click through, you can tell it's not truly out of stock because there's no price listed. And it yeah. says that it's like a pre-listing or a pre-order. Like I forgot what the the nomenclature was. I actually looked at this. I think pre-release today. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's just you know it's a confusion when it just has that that little tag and says out of stock. Yeah. It's like oh well, no, okay. I guess all those, really not necessarily all of those custom cards, but a lot of those custom cards are going to be definitely going live tomorrow alongside the founders edition. So. It's that's very unusual for Nvidia, but this is a full custom launch on the high end, so be ready in the morning if you want to get it soon. Okay. So if you miss this first wave, you might be waiting. Months. Yep. Right. And uh, uh, no, go ahead. sorry, real quick, Adam. People in chat are mentioning Best Buy as an option, so like you might actually be able to uh, kind of hook a turn around other people by doing like an in-store pickup order because that's based on actual stock in-store versus their online store. So that could also be an option. I mean, 
Personally, I, do. I would just have a couple of windows open for you know different retailers and see how far you get. <laughs> I don't know how valid uh, the reports are, but people have been asking, like if you go to the r slash NVIDIA subreddit and different places like that, PCMR and stuff, uh, people have been asking stores, will you have stock kind of a deal? And I guess a lot of Best Buys won't have stock in the store, so don't necessarily hang oh, your hat on being able to go to the store. Oh, physically. Uh, it sounds like some of the, yeah, physically. It sounds like some of the bigger ones will, based on those Reddit user reports, which, just again, who back. knows how valid they are. But uh, that's just what the scuttlebutt is on Reddit. Good to know. Because normally that is uh, a trick to use for, like, you know, when it's, again, Black Friday-type doorbuster sales. Yeah, I used to always, when I was younger and used to care about hot new games they release your consoles, I used to go to Toys R Us because nobody would ever go there and they yep. always had everything. Yeah. <laughs> Rip. That's where I got my Game Boy games. Um, <laughs> we got a uh, an eight dollar super Austra- eight Australian eight Australian dollar super chat from uh, who's this uh, JDB and said uh, that Gordon, you're the hero. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm giving a super chat saying that Brad's my hero for all the work uh, he's put in. Also, I'll, Gordon, I'll your your audio is still it. a little low. Um, and then a, a great question from Rue to, you know, uh, maybe this is one of the last ones uh, and we can move on, uh, is asking, will these cards be bought up by crypto miners? Are we about to head into another mining craze here? Uh, it's very possible. I don't run cryptocurrency tests myself. Uh, the ones that I have seen suggest that these are very much improved compared to the RTX 2080 cards and even the Radeon cards, which are typically pretty good at mining because they are so heavily into compute stuff. Uh, these cards, like Turing, but more so, are are leaning more heavily into doing those compute kind of tasks as well. So they could be very good for crypto mining. And I know that part of the reason that RTX 20... Uh, new stock levels have been low and they've been highly priced the last couple of months is partly because they were clearing up the start stock channels, but also partly because there have been crypto coin booms fueled by various regions in the world over the last few months. So it's very possible that both gamers and crypto miners are going to be fighting over whatever they can get for stock for these. Mm. That's a bummer. So one, one last question for me before we move on. So um, we've talked a lot about how great the 3080 is are there any things besides like the 12 pin connector aesthetic thing that you know bugged you um the 10 gigabytes i would have liked to see two more uh it's not really a negative it's just you know i wish oh that opened up on that monitor i wish that uh it had the two more just to make me feel better i don't know if it'll necessarily actually be uh, a, a bad thing in the end uh uh, the lack of SLI isn't really a negative to me, but for some people it might be. Uh, I feel like they oversold the cooler. The cooler is very effective. It's very quiet, but I feel like they oversold its efficiency. But for the actual product, it's fine. Uh, my my biggest issue is that 12-pin connector with the card itself, and you're going to need to possibly upgrade your power supply, which is a negative-ish, not really. I'm glad that they, you know, the last few generations, they've been focusing on increasing efficiency, and they've been doing really, really well at it. Uh, I'm glad to see them lean a little bit in the other direction this time around, and, like, put the pedal to the metal, especially after the RTX 20 series was so disappointing at launch compared to the previous gen. So, 
that's about it. There really isn't too much like it's any anything I can complain about is mostly feels like nitpicking. And most of my complaints aren't super big complaints and they mostly revolve around the Founders Edition design itself and not the GPU itself. So all in all I think this thing just rocks. <laughs> nice. Uh, we got eight more Australian dollars from JDD <laughs> saying Gordon is the tech greatest of all time. Goat. Uh, and this Goat. one piggybacks off and says, uh, T-Guy1994 gave us $5. Thank you. Said, uh, I found a 2080 Ti that was $927 at Fry's in Austin <laughs> this weekend. So should should Sounds they grab like it? like Fry's. No. <laughs> Get two? What is that we said? <laughs> the more you buy, the more you save. Maybe they're trying to uh, help themselves out because they've had to, you know, close stores. And, are they in or bankruptcy? Fries. I forget. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? 1080 Ti? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you just have to get that one person, right? <laughs> and yeah. to be fair, other regions of the world have much different pricing than us, so that's where some of these things are going, where... Uh, 10 ATI for 350 bucks might make a lot more sense. Yeah. No, that'll be interesting elsewhere, right? Yep. So we want to talk about Radeon now? Yeah, ah. Radeon. Hashtag wait for Radeon. Yeah, it's up to you. I feel like we've had hashtags for, you know, the last few generations for waiting for Radeon cards. But if you still want to wait for more Radeon cards, you can wait for more Radeon cards because to derails, you know, the hype train that NVIDIA has managed to stoke with the 3080. And as it turns out, justifiably so. Uh, AMD announced that it's going to be announcing the Radeon RX 6000 series uh, on October 28th. So, a month and a half from now. So, that's a little bit disappointing that it's coming so far after you know, this launch. Especially with, like I said earlier, Ryzen 3 is being announced on Horizon 4000 or Zen 3, whatever it's going to wind up being called. is being announced on October 3rd. But yeah, so anyway, Radeon, Radeon Next Gen is going to be revealed in some way on October 28th uh, to, to further, you know, draw attention away from NVIDIA and get hype for its own cards. AMD also released a picture of uh, the reference design cooler that it's going to have on presumably the highest end card. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, the blower style coolers they've been using for years have been garbage. Uh part of the reason that Radeon cards have had such a reputation for being hot and loud is because those blower style coolers that AMD made were just straight trash. Uh, If you look at Vega 64, if you look at the R9 290X, they were very good cards once they were put under custom cooling, but in their default options, they sucked. The uh, the ra- the big Navi card that AMD showed off is a three fan cooling design with a pair of eight pin connectors. So the exact same number of eight pin connectors as the Founders Edition chip here that indicates it's going to be a high end card. But place you know, with three the rear. fans. Yep, <laughs> uh, three in this place where it should freaking be. Uh, man. You distracted me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, three fans uh, has a USB-C uh, connection in the back, which is interesting since NVIDIA dumped uh, Virtual Link 
from its 30 series cards after supporting it on 20 series cards because nobody supported Virtual Link. But maybe USB-C will work for, you know, some of the new monitors and stuff like that. Uh, if you are interested in it, you can also go check out a big render of the card in Fortnite on the custom island that uh, AMD made. They have specific coordinates. You can go fly around the entire card, take a peek at it. Uh, and if you look at Jay's two cents, uh, he put a video up yesterday called like what AMD didn't show you a couple of weeks ago. Someone had sent him pictures of this card as well as a lower end version of it that he wasn't sure were real, but then AMD published this picture and it matches. So he has pictures of the cards in the flesh on that video. He also says it was dumb to put it in Fortnite, I think, too, and everybody's... Oh, yeah, he said that. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I mean, I get to, I get it. Fortnite is Fortnite at this point. I mean, it might have been a bigger impact if... I mean, it, it's 60 million or 100 million iPhone users could still play it, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Does it? Is there a risk, though, I mean, to do it in Fortnite that... I mean, I honestly don't play Fortnite, but doesn't that mean all of the green fans can go then crap on it you know like in build things around it or build you know 30 i was uh no i don't think you can with where it's at the uh the funny part to me keith who's been on here keith may from wccf tech keith plays pc on twitter he's great he's funny uh he pointed out to me that tomorrow Fortnite is flipping on ray tracing and dlss and nvidia reflex and all this stuff so you can go and check out the rendering of AMD's Big Navi card. Oh my god, if I worked in NVIDIA social, it'd be like, hey, check out how great the new Radeon is in ray tracing on a GeForce RTX. Oh, that blew my mind when I'm like, like, oh "Oh, man, that does mean that. (laughs) You know, it'd be interesting to go to that and it doesn't work. Like, no, actually, ray tracing doesn't work in this island. So one of the big draws of Big Navi RDNA 2 architecture is going to be it supports real-time ray tracing. Uh, To what extent, we don't know. The consoles are doing it in the shaders, so basically, uh, you know, the the normal shader compute units. We'll have to wait and see what it looks like in graphics cards, Uh, but NVIDIA manages to... It uses its dedicated RT cores to accelerate ray tracing, so shader cores aren't clogged up by that. And in the roll-up to 3080, they showed press a bunch of graphs showing how much slower it is if you try to do it just in shaders versus if you do it with shaders, you know, with then shaders with real time and then shaders with ray tracing with DLSS. So we'll have to see how it works out. But once, you know, ray tracing is turned on, that card is supposed to be able to support ray tracing. So fair. Uh, they're also going to be supporting all the DirectX 12 Ultimate stuff. So stuff that debuted on Turing, basically. Uh, NVIDIA's RTX 20 cards. Uh, like mesh shading and variable rate shading and stuff like that, which is super cool technology, and I've always been bummed it doesn't work on PCs. Like, NVIDIA wrote all this cool stuff out, and no developers used it. Uh, hopefully, now that they're in the Xbox Series X as well, and Radeon GPUs will also support it, we'll start to see some of that stuff supported. Uh, another interesting thing, we don't know too many hard details, so I'm just explaining what I know about RDNA 2 at this point. Uh, this year, AMD announced that it will also be introducing a different cDNA architecture for the data center. So up until this point, AMD has always used one unified architecture for both data center and consumer cards. Now they're splitting them off into two. So like NVIDIA has its you know Quadro cards versus these uh, GeForce cards. They're, they're slightly different inside. 
So theoretically, AMD could jettison some of that stuff that's great for compute and just throw more shaders and stuff in there. So make it faster for gaming. So, you know, big Navi, I mean, the, the Radeon RX 5700 series cards were great. They kicked butt. They're my favorite 1440p cards. I prefer them over the GeForce alternatives. Uh, big Navi, you know, adding tons more cores, adding ray tracing, adding that kind of stuff. This is probably the most excited, not excited. This is, I could see AMD making a splash on the high end. Uh, how high? I don't know. Uh, but they say that it's going to be an additional 50% performance per watt improvement over the first gen Navi cards. So if you pair that with a lot more CUDA cores, high end big Navi could be badass. It's all going to depend on how they configure the cards, but you know, maybe wait for Navi if you don't buy a first, if you don't manage to score a 3080 at first. So I, here's my question, Brad. We know what 3080 is now. It's $700. Mm-hmm. What does Radeon RX 6000 have to, how fast does it have to be, and how much will it have to cost to compete with at least 3080, which we know is a known quantity now? 700 bucks gets you 4K gaming, ray tracing support at 60 frames a second with DLSS. Yep. Does RX 6000 have to like 80% of that, and if they can't really match a 3080, how far back do they step then? You know? it'll, de- it'll depend on how they want to configure the cards. Because they can crank up clock speeds to make... That's like what they did with Vega. Vega, at first they were saying poor Volta and all that. You know, that, that garbage marketing they did back then. Uh, but then it didn't, you know, take on Volta, which everyone came out for consumer cards. But it didn't take on the 1080 Ti. And so I wound up Vega 64 being a 1080 competitor. And it was hot and loud, like I was saying earlier. And that's because AMD had to crank up the clocks to get it to that level. Uh, there's always the option to do that. I mean, NVIDIA, these cards are, you know, like I said, drawing substantially more power than before. Uh, AMD could do the very same thing. Or they could not. I mean, we, we still need to wait and see what these, these, these cards are. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they managed... To land somewhere around the 3080 level. I'd be thrilled if they managed to get up to the 3090 level. Uh, I don't expect that. But I did an article before why there's no 3080 Ti. And it's basically because I think uh, Radeon has a very real shot at potentially being faster than the 3080. Uh, in which case, we'd see NVIDIA come out with the 3080 Ti. So I think it is going to be a battle at the actual high end. Uh, the 3090, I think, is probably there just to be at the top of benchmark charts. Uh, the 3080, $700, that's realistically where even enthusiasts are like, that's what I'm going to spend. I'm not going to drop 1500 bucks on a graphics card. A lot of people, I think. Uh, and I think there's a good shot that AMD will bring the battle there. You know, you could just check the oven behind you, see if there's anything <laughs> in there. You know, uh, Yeah, but then I'll show my bald spot. Uh, so. Like a 3080 uh, I'm going to take this chance. I gotta, uh, I gotta head to yep. another meeting. But right. uh, uh, thanks for hanging talk. out, Gordon. I'm gonna beam out now. All right, <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> See you, dude. Uh, I have been showing on the screen some uh, some images. Uh, oh boy, wow! He he literally <laughs> beamed out. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Good job, Gordon. <laughs> He's an assassin in Deus Ex. <laughs> oh, well that's done. funny. Uh, so I've been showing uh, some uh, different images. Uh, you know, the the J had uh, even the the render in in Fortnite. Uh, you know, it seems to be a lot of people kind of down on the just the physical design of this card. Where, where yep. do you, where do you two sit on that? I personally. I agree with Jay's sentiment that why'd they slap all that extra red on there? I get Radeon is red, but they has like the red lines and stuff on there. Well, I have to see what the card actually looks like in real life. That's what his pictures claim, but those are obviously early. They're not actual cards. They're early, you know, samples. Yeah. Uh, But I really like the Founders Edition cards. Clean, simple cleanliness. And uh amd seems to be going with the more aggressive gamer vibe which isn't personally my style but i don't have anything innately against it either mm. it which might just weird. be harder to make it match in some systems well the, the the you know the last rx uh versions had that nice sleek design with a little pinch in the middle uh or whatever mm-hmm. like I, I i really like that even radeon 7 like it sure yeah. it was kind of just you know a, a, a solid I, I pre- brick but that was it was cool I preferred those actually, like compared to the look of the new one. Like, if I wish they had taken that vibe and put it with this cooler, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, they, these are obviously not final. Uh, sorry, yeah. when when was the the reveal again or the, the October twenty eighth? Yeah, okay. very end of the month. Some people right are asking before if, Halloween. Oh yeah, some people are asking if we can do a little uh, uh, overlay chat, uh, kind of like we did for the <laughs> RTX thirty series launch. Yeah, we'll probably do that. It'll be fun. <laughs> if you see me on those, you'll know I've been pre-briefed. That's the reason I'm never on these things, because for these announcements, uh, companies often don't tell us what's up before they happen. So I actually... Thanks, dude. Sorry, I just got a package. Uh, getting a lot of packages these days. Uh, so for the announcements, while these guys talk about it, I have to work. <laughs> Not that you guys ain't working, but you know what I mean. Different kind of work. <laughs> Different kind of work, for sure. Um all right. Do do we want to move on to uh, uh, the the monster? Like Nvidia was awesome when they released the RTX thirty eighty, but then when they bought ARM, like yeah. they're not awesome anymore, right? The <laughs> the ironic part about this is that Gordon's the one who really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, we <laughs> had to go. Yeah. So, but yeah, I can cover it. Uh, so you may not have seen it if you don't follow business tech news, but Nvidia made struck at least the biggest chip deal in history this week it agreed to buy arm which is the company that designs basically all the chips in mobile phones tablets and a whole lot of smart devices uh for 40 billion dollars uh it that's a lot of money that's you know 40 instagrams if you want to call it that uh but uh that's a lot of money uh, and <laughs> there's a, a lot of concerns that they, they they tried spinning away right quick by saying, hey, we're into this for AI because we think ARM has a big future in the data center and stuff like that, which it does. Very well could. Uh, but there are a lot of concerns because ARM, the reason it's so widely used is because it's always been a neutral party. Like ARM is just, it'll license chip designs to anybody. Apple uses it. Samsung uses it. Qualcomm uses it. You know, everybody uses ARM. Uh, now NVIDIA is going to be own ARM, assuming this all passes, you know, regulators, which is a very big question mark because it has to get through UK, US, and China regulators. Yeah. 
and people are like, you know, NVIDIA kind of has a reputation for not being the nicest partner with other companies. Uh, there's that big issue with the MacBooks and Bumpgate and Apple hasn't let NVIDIA anywhere near its computers in like a decade because of it. There are many other things like that. So there's a lot of concern that ARM will lose its neutrality if NVIDIA owns it. That being said, NVIDIA-owned ARM could be freaking awesome and push the you know technology in ways that doesn't happen right now and make it a true competitor in every possible way with AMD and Intel, who themselves you know own x86 chips and graphics. Uh, NVIDIA already said that they hope to start licensing its graphics tech through ARM, so you might have a phone with GeForce inside in the future. Uh, Gordon loves the drama of it all. It is really dramatic. Though, <laughs> I mean, I the, the, I thought two things when I heard the news. The first thought was, oh, that's that's a pity because I, I believe fairly recently ARM's uh, founder or this current CEO went on record saying that he really wishes they could be independent again, and you know, being bought by Nvidia would be very counter to that in my opinion. Um, and then the second was, ooh. This is a very interesting backdoor way of getting back into like Apple territory, you yeah. know, and seeing how that all goes down. Because yeah. uh, given how fiercely Apple has just been fighting out the Epic type thing, like it makes me wonder what they would do to to make a point, right? Because it almost mm-hmm. seems like because some of the stuff that's happening on the Epic side of things, which is not related to chips at all, obviously, but some of it seems more about making a point. Petty. Than it is like <laughs> like than it is beneficial, right? Yeah. So it almost it makes me wonder what's going to happen to their plans for the MacBooks and transitioning over to you know the ARM-based chips and all of that. I, I I'm not I don't know too much about Apple chips and ARM licenses, so I'm not sure how true it is. But I've seen a bunch of people say that part of the reason they think Apple didn't go for ARM as heavily is because they have a perpetual license to ARM ISA the instruction sets that uh, they use. So that's part of the reason they weren't so worried about NVIDIA taking over it, and that's why they didn't play for it so heavy. Mm. I don't know if that's true. Like I said, I, I'm not a mobile reporter, but uh, I've seen a lot of smart people say that on Twitter. So who knows? <laughs> mm. But yeah, interesting. That, that, that could, if, that's, if this happens, it'll have huge ramifications for every aspect yes. of technology, not just computing. From the data center to PCs to potentially Apple stuff to smart homes and, you know, mobile phones. Like, this could touch everything. Yeah. Do you remember when, uh, uh, what was it, Steve Jobs got on stage and then had uh, Bill Gates uh, Skype in <laughs> to announce their partnership? You know, maybe, maybe Jensen appears on screen and, and pulls the uh, iPhone 12 out of his oven. <laughs> <laughs> it's, There's it's, a- Sorry, go ahead. It's actually like this is nothing that anyone here is going to care about, but it's actually super smart of NVIDIA from like a tactical business sense because their stock has just been like exploding to ridiculous levels recently. They're now significantly worth more than Intel, even though they don't make as much money as Intel, but their stock price is super duper high. So a lot of this $40 billion price is coming from that stock price. So they're essentially cashing in on that sky-high stock price to tangibly buy ARM. So even if the stock prices go back down, they still have ARM. Hmm. It it gets complicated, but they're being very smart. <laughs> this is the best time for them to try to buy a company like ARM. 
That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody speculated uh, Apple's going to buy uh, TSMC. Huh. <laughs> now that now that would be interesting because Ar- Arm's got the licenses and TSMC's got the production. <laughs> They're like, well, how are we going to play this? <laughs> uh, it makes it interesting because, like, uh, Samsung just licensed radio and GPU technology for its mobile devices. Like, I think its RDNA is going to be in future Samsung mobile devices. But what if you know? You still, if ARM licenses continue to work how they do now, and everything that the ARM and NVIDIA CEOs are saying is that it will just function as its own company going forward, just with NVIDIA backing and the option to license NVIDIA stuff. But what happens in the future, like if Samsung wants to use Radeon graphics cores, you know, it's, it's, it's there's all kinds of things yeah. to ponder here. I wish Gordon didn't have to leave because yeah. this is, yeah. this is the thing. This is, <laughs> this was his baby. Yeah, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's, uh, in in one way, it's good because it could push it forward. But in some ways, yeah, it takes out competition. I mean, Samsung's Exynos, you know, has had problems. MediaTek isn't necessarily the greatest. Uh, so you know, there's other players out there. But man, this would Arm. make them a juggernaut yeah. even more. So uh, they're trying. The- uh, Nvidia is trying to sweeten the pot for the UK. They're like, if you let this happen, we'll keep our AI center over there and keep them. Headquartered over there, we'll even build you guys a nice supercomputer. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yep. Uh, well, you know, maybe maybe we'll touch on this again uh, in a future episode, just so Gordon can get his two cents in. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the meantime, let's let's do some Q and A. Wait, can I can I insert my PSA finally? Oh wait, hold on. Uh, this first question comes in from Adam Patrick Murray. Um, Elena, what what the hell's going on with uh, Game Pass, uh, Xbox Game Pass? Uh, am I about to lose perks? How does it all work? Okay, so uh, I'm only mentioning this today because today is the 16th and it's the last day of the $5 per month pricing for the Game Pass for PC beta or the beta pricing for Game pa- Pass for PC. Starting tomorrow, it goes up to the normal price of $10 a month. So I've gotten a lot of questions from PC gamers looking to do that, you know, convert xbox live gold months to game pass ultimate which is the top tier service that includes both game pass for pc and xbox game pass and xbox live gold and now xcloud pass oh what and now it does xcloud too oh yeah (laughs) that was xbox cloud gaming what they're calling it whatever but yeah so it's like they're all inclusive top tier subscription service and um the the way it works briefly just to summarize is that what you want to do is load up your account with up to 36 months of xbox live gold which you can get for the normal price of 60 dollars for one year which works out to five dollars a month um load your account for 36 months you cannot go past 36 months so if you do anything like enable recurring billing to get an extra free month you will screw yourself over because now you can't redeem your final 12 month code or however long you decide to do if you're maxing it out so be very careful when you do your math i've already walked two people through this like hand holding them because they're my friends and (laughs) i would love to help more of you so if you have questions feel free to drop them into our gaming channel on discord i will try to help you there but do it publicly so that way I don't have to keep answering the same questions <laughs> over and over. Um, a lot of people want to know, is this going away tomorrow? I don't know. 
Like, I don't think that they're going to change this until the consoles actually launch. Like, I, my guess, this is my guess only, I am not going on any sources or scuttlebutt or anything. My guess is that when the next generation consoles launch, the Xbox Series S and Series X and the all-access, you know, uh, monthly subscriptions start, then they might change it over to, if you convert from gold, it's the prorated amount, not like a one-for-one kind of like nice extra freebie bonus kind of upgrade, which is what they're doing now. So now if you do a conversion, you get one month of ultimate for every month you had of gold, which is why it makes it such a great deal. When that goes away, nobody knows. But in short, if you have questions, stop by the Discord channel or Discord server, the gaming channel. And I also have an, uh, a long article that goes through this very detailed on PC World. So Oh, when we get out of here, I'll bump that to the homepage so people can find it real easy. Yeah. So, yep. Part, part of the reason, the part of the reason uh, it's a concern right now is because tomorrow, like she was saying, Xbox Game Pass for PC doubles in price from five dollars a month. It was in beta. Exit's beta is ten dollars a month. If you don't want to go through all that, in my opinion, it's still worth ten dollars a month easily, especially with EA Play in it. It's still I've written an article about how excellent Game Pass for PC is. It still is even at twice the cost. Like that's a ridiculously good deal. If you can lock in this Game Pass Ultimate stuff, it's stupid. Like, yeah, because you basically get if you can afford to pay, I think it's one hundred eighty bucks up front. Then you lock it in at five bucks essentially for three mm-hmm. years. Five bucks, the five ultimate. bucks a yeah. month per, you know, and then. You know, if you have somebody else in your household who plays on an Xbox, then they get to benefit if you're feeling generous. <laughs> or if you have an Android device, you can play games out in the world because now xCloud's live as of yesterday. So, yep. Which I've been testing for our sister channel, uh, Tech Advisor. Look, look yeah. for some videos over there, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a multi-platform gamer, so I love Game Pass. Um, the Xbox catalog is actually larger than the PC one, so I, I get the benefit of that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, actually, you know, speaking speaking of consoles, uh, Big Mama in the house, friend of the show, says, uh, "What do you think about the tiny three hundred dollar uh, gaming PC uh, that has Xbox branding and <laughs> and supports mouse and keyboard?" Uh, I think it's crazy that they're still able to cram an eight core Ryzen chip and a PCI four SSD in there and sell that thing for three hundred dollars. I mean, it's very obviously a lost leader. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting because, you know, like, uh, I can't remember. I was trying to think of the last time that, that uh, a console launch has come out with two tiers like that. You know, uh, right at launch, hey, you've got, you know, a cheaper option and a more expensive option. Usually it's just, hey, we got the expensive option, then the cheaper one comes later. Uh, I think this this helps a lot. Uh, and, you know, the, the Series S is targeting 1440p. Which, you know, the original, like, if you're on original, original Xbox or an Xbox One S, you know, that thing was, like, targeting, like, 900p. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's definitely a good upgrade targeting. there. <laughs> I think I find it real weird that they are saying they're targeting 1440p. Because, yeah, I can plug into a FreeSync monitor, but people buy those things for the living room. Ain't nobody got a 1440p TV. Those well, things don't exist. I think they just mean that it, it'll render at 1440p and then it, yeah. up, you know, upscale. Yeah, it'll TV upscale. upscale it'll be great. 4K. But, uh, you know, you can use it. The, the, the great thing about the Xbox now, even Xbox One, like Xbox One X, is that it, it's really treating it more like a PC. So if you're in a dorm or limited space and you're hooking your Xbox to a monitor, I mean, it supports variable refresh rates now, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can do 1440. So, it's, I mean, it's kind of nice to have that option. Yeah. 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 No, I, you know, I, I, 
if you have a 1080p TV or even a 4K TV, I think with the upscaling, that thing's really what you need for next-gen games. I think, I don't know. I'd be, that that Xbox Series X looks beastly, but I think the the Xbox Series S is going to be pretty, pretty smoking too. It it makes things yeah it makes things a lot better especially with those lower prices I, I think this, this generation is going to do really soon. well hopefully yeah people are like oh you know hey yeah, uh, forty five minutes, minutes. <laughs> and we are the not going to be talking over that uh, we've got other things to do the one but. thing I am really curious about is how well the console gamers like contingent takes to the fact that it's discless like at three hundred dollars for a console that doesn't have a disc player like. I know a lot of people have gone digital, but, you know, there's still lots of, you know, parts of the U.S. where it's you, it's really crap for Internet. A lot of places in my town. Yeah. And so it seems weird that with that move, Microsoft is basically saying, like, well, you have to pay more because your municipality hasn't upgraded your infrastructure or you pay less because you live somewhere urban or like you know urban enough that you don't have to worry about that which is it's really just weird to see that shift given like how friendly they were to people back in the xbox 360 days when it came to discs and minimizing you know day one patches and things like that so i'm not mad about it a lot of that the country has high-speed internet uh it's much different from the xbox one days where they're like, oh, if you're on a submarine, just stick with the 360. The, the world's in a different place now. I think a lot of the world got is used to this idea between Steam and uh, uh, they already have discless Xbox One S consoles. I, I think it's if you they have payment plans for this thing where you wind up paying a bunch of money, more than 300 bucks. But it also ties in Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So for 25 bucks a month, you can get this thing. And access to 40 EA games and 100 plus constantly changing Microsoft games. And to me, especially in a time where, you know, economics are very uncertain right now, like, I find that a very compelling package. Not not that I'm going to buy one. (laughs) I'm not saying that they, that you shouldn't go that route. Like, I I still think the package they're offering is good, but I I think either maybe I'm just out of date and maybe people are able to use cell phone plans to make up the lack of broadband access. And so it's not really that big of a deal. But I, that was the first thing I thought. I, I think I, saw that. I think PlayStation said they're doing a discless edition as well. They are, but the specs the, are the same, right? So yep. it just feels like you're getting a discount on the on the premier product, whereas this is actually two different types of specs yep. or two different yep. specs sheets. So it's I think a little harder to stomach when you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting less performance and I don't get a disc, and like now I have to figure out a way of downloading these like sixty to eighty gigabyte games, yep. which you know, yep. Stupid bandwidth caps too. Even yeah. if you have fast Seriously. internet, <laughs> Seriously. maybe they'll send. Maybe they'll sell like an HD DVD add-on kind of thing. <laughs> we can get the the disc back. <laughs> I had one of those. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah me too. It was nice looking. Uh, yeah, I, I, I even learned how to break it and, and or not break it, but uh, hack it to work with the, the PC at the time too. Um. Anyway, yeah. I, there's obviously gonna we're gonna talk more about channels or uh, consoles, uh, and then we'll we'll bring Gordon back to to hate on them because <laughs> that's always fun uh a couple uh super chats um mac mac cd rue 421 
gave us five dollars. Thank you. Said uh, Buildzoid from AHOC thought that the flagship AMD G- GPU might have HBM due to the lack of GDDR6 bandwidth. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I watched that video. It was pretty interesting, actually. It was actually looking at the render of the card in Fortnite as well. So these are two different videos. I watched both of them. Uh, he was originally speculating that, and then he looked at the back of the render in Fortnite and said, look at the way these screw holes are and stuff like that. The only AMD card that has a bracket like this are the ones that have HBM. So that's very much a possibility. AMD has used HBM multiple times in the past. Uh that being said, I feel like they've also kind of been bitten by the high cost of HBM multiple times in the past, and they didn't make as much money on their cards, or possibly even lost money on some of their cards because of that. Uh, so while I think it's uh, definitely maybe, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick to traditional GDDR6, which is what some other rumors are saying right now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way. HBM would help them build up some of the bandwidth difference since they're not going to have GDDR6 because, or at least they could have GDDR6X which is what's in the 3080 and 3090, but I believe that's an NVIDIA and Micron collaborative thing. I'd be shocked if AMD's allowed to use that yet. So, HBM could build up some of that bandwidth difference, uh, but I could also see them just loading up with slower traditional GDDR6 and just saying, hey, we have a 16 gigabyte card as opposed to your 10 gigabyte card. Hmm. So, you know, they can play it a bunch of different ways. We're at the point where it just is going to come down to what product decisions they make, what kind of memory they put on the card, how fast they want to clock it, stuff like that. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Time will tell. I'm a bad pundit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A friend of the show, Matthew Lang, uh, happy birthday. I I always think it's his birthday. Happy birthday. Well, it's not. It it was like a couple months ago, but (laughs) (laughs) whenever I think of Matthew Lang, I think of his birthday. Happy birthday. For some reason. (laughs) Uh, He said, um, Mr. Brad Jensen, is it true that using the RGB spatulas help with faster baking times? And give us $5. Thank you if I didn't mention that. Uh, it depends which one you use. Obviously, the red one helps with the baking time. The orange one does to a lesser effect. But, you know, if you find your, your brownies are starting to get overly cooked and tough, you just use the blue spatula to help cool it down. Wait, which one do you use to get that perfect crust on the brownies but not overly dry them out? Uh, I, I have uh, butlers for that. <laughs> also, I'm I'm really bummed that there's only 10 spatulas. I wish there was 12. It would make me feel a little bit better about uh, baking, but yeah. <laughs> and then um, I, a question from uh, Adrian Foray. Is there only 10 spatulas? No, no. I was jo- joking oh, about the, joke. the RAM. Oh. <laughs> the VRAM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that'd be funny if it actually does match the VRAM. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did that yet. Uh, <laughs> question from Adrian for uh, why does Nvidia store not ship worldwide? Is it a logistic decision? Is it stock availability? Production limitation? What the hell? My um, guess one. would be the vast maj- they want. Nvidia does sell Founders Edition cards, obviously, uh, but their bread and butter business is selling the chips and the package to other partners and letting them handle card design and distribution and return headaches and all that stuff. Hmm. Uh, 
My guess would be that they simply just don't have the distribution setup that partners who've been doing this for years, like Asus and MSI and EVGA, have. Uh, and they probably don't want the hassle of trying to set up business in countries all over the world. They'd much rather let Asus and EVGA and MSI and so on and so forth do it. Yeah. And also, if they, even if they were to just ship out of the U.S., they still have to deal with customs and yeah. all those other things, which is, you know, kind of a headache. Yep. yep. This oh is actually, like, this Founder Edition card kicks ass. Like, there's always, the, the last-gen ones, the dual Axial ones on the RTX 20 series, they were really good. Like, it's like, you guys are taking some meat off the bone for your board partners here. I'm surprised, because blower coolers are, they get the job done and establish baseline for everybody. But they're not as effective as Axial coolers. So I'm like, oh, Axial coolers. But this this new super custom, you know, Founder's Edition card, it's it's really good. So I'm real curious to see how all the various custom boards wind up stacking up. I know how one does. We'll maybe see a review tomorrow. Maybe. Spoilers. Uh, and then back over to Discord. Uh, you know, we had some other uh, thirty eighty questions we didn't get uh, to. This is an interesting one. Uh, how Gary asks. Um, uh, so what after? Uh, so what we were talking about DLSS earlier. At what point do benchmarkers default to just testing with DLSS on? Uh, I don't think you can because it is a software-based difference, uh, and it is algorithm-based, so it can change. It's not measuring the actual hardware performance of the card if you test with that. Well, don't drivers so, for the the actual card change too? I mean, yeah, it's it's not quite the same thing though. Uh, and there is there or there, it's negligible visual difference, but there are some cases where you will see a visual difference in some scenes. Some scenes it's sharper, some scenes it doesn't render it as well. Uh, overall, I consider it a wash, but it does it does change the image. So you can't just do review evaluations based on that. Uh, I'm going to try to include DLSS benchmarks in my suite and games that support it as often as possible because like i said i do feel you should flip it on if it's available but you can't use that to gauge the baseline performance of a card (laughs) especially because if dlss becomes ubiquitous one day that could change uh in that case i would definitely include dlss and everything as well as dlss off but right now it's still only in you know like 20 games or less so i mean these technologies are cool but they haven't set the world on fire yet <laughs> all right um where is it uh snipe snipe and fist uh says uh is rdna2 launch so late because AM- amd knew the initial stock for nvidia 30 series would be so low by the time that most people get around to buying them they will have the option of both rdna2 or ampere who knows what happens with businesses, but it's just a weird year in general between all the factory shutdowns in different parts of the world, all the shipping shutdowns, everybody working from home. Uh, And again, like I was saying earlier, this is just a hunch, but big Navi dies come out of the same seven nanometer wafer capacity because like AMD buys X amount of wafer capacity from TSMC and they all use the seven nanometer process. So AMD is going to have to balance between do I want to make one, you know, huge big Navi die or do I want to make four tiny Ryzen chips that I can, or more than four, that I can put into all these Ryzen processors that are taking the world on fire. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if they lean more towards prioritizing Ryzen at this point. 
and they will still have Radeon availability, but I would not be surprised if their availability is also tight between all those various things. That's pure speculation on my part, to be clear. But that's just just seeing the way the date's laid out. That's what I feel. Okay. Uh, this one's for my own personal amusement. Uh, Corbin D. asked, uh, does Brad still recommend pre-ordering the NVIDIA 30 series? We totally if made a can, video about that. go for it. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason I made that video, because I saw some irate people in the comments, uh, is because... Dozens of people asked me that very question. People were hitting me up on Twitter, on Reddit, on all kinds of different things saying, hey, man, if these come up for pre-order, should I order them? So like Elena was saying, if you have questions about this Xbox Game Pass thing, ask me on Discord, but do it publicly so I only have to do it once. (laughs) I got asked that question so many times. I'm like, this is clearly something people are wondering. I should answer it. You know, except for and, the, then they they didn't necessarily offer pre-orders, so uh, yeah, for the which founders is, edition, which stinks. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> I would have. This is the one time I would have. So they make me feel dirty for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it was hypothetical, so yeah. you hypothetical. still have to say that you actually got people to do it. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's a good way to save your butt. <laughs> That's what you're doing all along. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> Um, a little bit of a random one from VC Jester. Uh, what do you think about the tactics being used to stop the right of repair movement uh, with TV ads and uh, companies uh, forcing you for unauthorized service of electronics? Uh, I don't know too much about that. I do know that it has been an issue. And it's been just the idea of repairing your electronics are becoming increasingly rare these days. If you look at, obviously, the iPhone, you know, that lockdown design has trickled down because they keep getting sleeker into other Android phones. A lot of them are the same way now. It's carried over to MacBooks. It's carried over to the Surface laptop is the same thing. Uh, If you look at the Founders Editions, the Founders Edition cards are a headache to get open. Uh, Personally, I don't like it. Uh, I like being able to repair your own things. I like being able to not have to go to an Apple authorized dealer or the Microsoft store. I like to be able to go to Joe's computer shop and give Joe some work to fix my stuff because Joe's know what he's doing (laughs) Uh, or doing it myself. So in general, I'm very pro being able to repair your stuff. And I think it's a shame that we're moving away from that. That being said, people do buy sleeker stuff and just replace it every few years. So the reason they're doing it is because people are buying it. So, Well, you can argue that that's all that's available to them. So yeah. they don't have yeah. a choice but to buy, buy what's out there. Um, I actually also haven't looked really deep into it yet. I know that iFixit's really been on the forefront of promoting it as a cause because, I mean, obviously it's their business model, but also, I mean, they, they rightly point out, like, you know, back in the day, you know, you would buy a refrigerator and just service it for years and years and years and years and years. Same with washing machines, all that, right? And now everything's a little bit more disposable. <laughs> and why not just be able to repair your tech? Um, so I don't, I don't know what the pushback is. Like, I don't know if the legislature that's being pro- promoted is actually requiring companies to design products that are easy to repair or if it's just more of... My impression was that it was just laws to say that you don't, like, automatically void your warranty if you open it up. 
And I, I'm in favor. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in favor of the latter. Like I don't really yeah. see why it's a problem if like it's clearly outlined, and I'm sure there's a bunch of talented lawyers who can thread that needle. Where it's like, okay, we won't immediately void your warranty, but if you do a self service, like you have to do it under these guidelines, otherwise we can't help you. Because if you nuke it or fry it or break, or in my case, break all the plastic clips <laughs> as you're trying to open it, um, <laughs> then obviously you're not entitled to us like giving you a brand new one. Right. I mean, it's it's a hard line to walk for sure, you know. And and I, yeah, I, I love iFixit for that reason because you know they do take it apart and they do give it a rating of like, hey, you know, how easy or hard Fine. is it to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, uh, that's what happens a lot. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, and that that's the thing too. I think it's like um, if if one little thing like something basic is like, hey, I dropped a phone, I cracked my screen, you know, like to take. To take it in official repairs is usually like can be like a huge portion of the the price you actually paid for a phone as mm-hmm. opposed to you know doing it yourself or going locally yeah. but then that vo- voids your warranty like it's you know yeah yeah it's i uh they have actually a uh group of riders who do not just the repair teardowns but they also do a lot of coverage of this stuff at i fix it uh which i highly recommend you go read uh, they're obviously biased. Like Elena was saying, this is their business. This is not just their business. It's also something that they care about. So if you embrace and accept that fact uh, that, hey, these people are writing from a pro-repair point of view, I actually personally know a bunch of the writers over there, and they are really super smart, honest journalists who just care about the specific topic. So I, I think yeah. they're a great resource to know everything you need to know about yeah. that. And also, uh, Francis in the chat does point out a great thing. I mean, the the whole the whole thing is to you know to to boost, reduce, and reuse uh, right. abilities, which is yeah. you know like a really really good thing. Yeah. And hey, that's something we we've you know the PC industry is is right. is good for for the most part. Uh, and uh, Brian also points out that uh, right to repair means they can't do things like DRM on the home button. Right. Or if they do, they give you the software to reset it and things like that, which also I'd be in favor of because, like, I've been wanting to replace the battery in a MacBook that I have, but I haven't done it because so many people have said that, like, hey, I did this, but it's not reading the battery life correctly because there's yeah. maybe something that you have to do on the software side or there has to be a specific connector you use for it to recognize it. I don't know. And so now I'm just, like, plugged into the wall all the time whenever I have to do something on macOS. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I have a 2012 MacBook that I used to do for coverage, use for coverage, and it's pretty much in the same deal. Like mm-hmm. it's useless now unless you're sitting there plugged in at the wall. Yeah. Uh, well, I I I know my brain's fried. I'm sure Brad, your your brain is uh, getting there. So yeah, we should uh, we should probably wrap it up. Um, okay, and get out of here. Yeah, because you know we all, all right. gotta hurry and watch that PS5 oh. event. I know we're very excited. Real quick. Yes. Real quick to answer, somebody wanted to know what this 3M box was. These are five and a quarter floppy drive. They're five and a quarter inch floppy drives. What a year is history. it? <laughs> a little bit of history on my shelf here. I got, I've got 3.5 inch and 5.25 inch floppy disks. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, then, Brad, uh, why don't you try to take us out? ancient Rome. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure what that's supposed to be, but yeah. <laughs> That's my life goal right there, by the way. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you for tuning in to The Full Nerd, episode 150, I believe. Yes, uh, we did it. 
Yeah, 150. We did it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, subscribe if you like what you hear. You know, keep watching us or listening to us wherever you watched or listened to us. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher. Uh, you know, give us a review if you like it. Like it. If you don't like it, you know, you can leave a negative review, but I'd rather you didn't. But every time you leave a positive review, uh, the RTX 38 gains a coup de corps. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the 10,000 reviews over the last year. Uh so anyway, I'm Brad Charkis with Elena Yee. Bye, everyone. Uh, and Adam Patrick Murray is going to take us out. I'm going to go feed my cat and myself. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.